Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Michael Gilbert had been living with the Watt family on and off since 2001. At first, he believed he had found a haven away from life on the streets, but Michael soon realised that his sanctuary was in fact a nightmare. Despite attempting to escape and build a life of his own, the Watts frequently tracked him down. Michael was coerced or forcibly returned to the property where he was held against his will. The Watt family stole his benefit money and treated him like a slave, whom they would torture and torment until Michael's body could take no more. This suburban street in Luton might look peaceful, pleasant even, but it was inside number 51 here that Michael Gilbert suffered medieval levels of torture. One senior detective described the case as the worst abuse he'd ever seen. He was subjected to appalling violence, hit with bats, shot by an air gun, he was even stabbed. Why didn't Michael Gilbert resist? Why didn't he fight back? His family said he was naive, easily led, even gullible. He had a troubled start and ended up in care in his teenage years, but he seemed unable to escape the clutches of his abusers. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 26 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 8, Episode 25 for Part 1 of this two-part case. It never took long for the Watt family to be identified as troublemakers as they moved from home to home. Over the span of eight years, the family had been visited by the police more than 180 times. 
Their disruptive behavior ranged from carrying weapons and racial harassment to making threats, inflicting violence, endless parties, and even firebombing neighboring properties. Fearing for their safety, some neighbors requested that the council relocate them elsewhere. Other locals thought the outlay for a home security system was worth the peace of mind. One former neighbor recalled, It was a constant nightmare, constantly phoning up the police, police doing nothing, the family living in fear. They would pick on the vulnerable more than anything else. After the Watts moved out, the properties were often left in a deplorable condition for the next tenants. Eventually, the Watt family were excluded from being placed in council housing altogether. Afterwards, they managed to secure properties with unsuspecting private landlords. One property owner footed a bill of £6,000 in damages after they left. It was rented through an agency so no one was aware of the new tenant's antisocial past. On another occasion, the riot police and RSPCA were called to assist in an eviction. James Watts and his brothers had a lengthy criminal history, including accusations of shooting at individuals and vehicles with air rifles and pellet guns. He had faced accusations of rape and harassment, the case was closed when the victim felt unable to make a statement. James's record also included a charge of assaulting a police officer in 2005. When he was awaiting sentencing for this crime, his family were evicted again. He fathered a child with a partner who was also living in the Watt household. However, the baby was placed into care almost as soon as they were born. Soon after, James Watt was again arrested for assaulting a girlfriend's child. Furthermore, he was taken into custody on suspicion of sexually assaulting a young girl. There was evidence of fights between members of the family too, as some of James's brothers also made allegations, accusing him of assault and harassment. Residents in the area went to great lengths to avoid any interaction with the family, yet the household remained a constant source of disturbance. Apart from Antonio Watt, who was employed at a local construction firm, the rest of the family relied on government support, which was supplemented through a number of fraudulent schemes, including stealing puppies and selling them on for profit. Although Michael Gilbert lived with the Watt family, he was rarely seen by neighbours. This was in contrast to the other members of the household, who took each and every opportunity to intimidate anyone they saw. On the days when he was seen, Michael was mistaken for one of the Watt brothers, but he held himself differently. He was scared, awkward, and did not make eye contact. On Sunday mornings, the Watts would often go on a family outing, occasionally fishing, and although Michael was taken with them, he was forced to travel in the boot of the car. The day trips out of the house were still no reprieve for their captive. 
In the aftermath of Christmas 2008, the group devised yet another way to abuse and assault Michael. This involved James Watt, his partner Natasha and Richard Watt's partner Nicola repeatedly jumping on Michael's stomach. The assaults left Michael's abdomen visibly distended and it was painful for him to walk. Despite his deteriorating condition, the abuse continued and the group documented their assaults on their mobile phones. In one recording, Michael was seen laying on the floor with a piece of wood wedged in his mouth while James performed push-ups on the makeshift platform. The relentless physical and psychological torture had such a devastating toll on Michael's body that he lost control of his bowels. On occasions when he failed to reach the toilet in time, the group would subject him to even more severe beatings. Incredibly, on January 12, 2009, Michael managed to get hold of Richard Watt's mobile phone and called 999. He was so fearful of the Watt family that he told the police that his name was Aaron and he said that his younger brother was being threatened. He provided the police with the Watt's address, but tragically the responding officers left without ever speaking to Michael. Four days later on January 16th, Michael appeared at Luton Job Centre to sign on for benefits. The clerk, Anthony Marshall, could see signs that Michael was physically suffering, noting the cuts and bruises on Michael's face and his constrained movements. Anthony was so concerned that he offered to get Michael medical assistance, but Michael declined the offer claiming he had just been in a fight. He left the job centre that afternoon, returning to the Watts and the fate that awaited him. On one occasion when Richard Watt had asked Michael why he put up with all of the abuse, Michael replied, I love you lot. You are my family. Six days after being seen at the job centre, Michael Gilbert was dead. On the morning of January 22, 2009, one of the Watt brothers Colin, who had long since moved away from the family, received a phone call from his brother Robert. Robert urged Colin to come to Marlborough Road in Luton because they had something important to tell him. When Colin arrived, he was led into a bedroom by his brother, where he saw Michael Gilbert lying on a mattress. It was heavily stained with excrement and blood. Michael's bloody and bruised body lay motionless. His stomach was distended. Colin noticed it straight away. Robert confessed, We killed Michael. Colin Watt began crying and left the house, never to return. The diary written by James Watt's partner Natasha Oldfield documenting the violent game show the family had played with Michael's life had a new entry around this time which simply read, Gilbert ended up dead.
After enduring almost a decade of abuse, Michael Gilbert's body had finally given up and the group collectively decided to dispose of his remains. Over the next two hours, Michael's body was dismembered in James Watt's bedroom. James Richard and Robert Watt then loaded the bags containing the remains into Nicola Roberts' car and drove to the Blue Lagoon in Alsey. After parking at the entrance, they loaded the bags into a wheelbarrow and set off down the mile-long dirt track. As they dumped the bags into the water, their mother Jennifer was busy at home. She had a lot of cleaning to do to remove such an extensive amount of evidence. The Watt family didn't shy away from the police when they discovered Michael Gilbert's body in May 2009. Surveillance footage from the scene showed them watching officers from a distance as they cordoned off the area. After Michael's remains were identified, it was quickly established that he hadn't signed on at the job centre for four months, so investigators obtained footage from that time frame. It didn't take long for the police to link him to the Watt family. The CCTV footage pictured James Robert and Richard Watt at the Blue Lagoon on January 22nd. The brothers were questioned at their home, and the officers immediately noticed something. Two large stones were clearly missing from the garden wall. They appeared to be the same type that weighed down some of Michael's body parts. Reports concerning the abuse Michael had suffered while living with the Watt family resurfaced, and within days the three brothers were arrested and charged with murder, perverting the course of justice and familial homicide. Familial homicide relates to causing or allowing the death of a child or person who is considered vulnerable, placing a legal responsibility upon adults who live in the same household. The charge was introduced in 2004 to ensure the accountability of individuals in cases of child victims. Prior to its introduction... Instances of child fatalities due to violence or neglect within a family often resulted in the shifting of blame, with both parties evading conviction due to insufficient evidence. Notably, this charge had been utilised in the case of the mother of Peter Connolly, known as Baby P, along with her partner and his brother. The charge carries a maximum sentence of 14 years, as the law requires any adult who lives with a child or vulnerable adult to take reasonable steps to protect them if it's believed they're at risk of serious physical harm. No one who had witnessed the abuse had taken any steps to protect Michael Gilbert, including Richard Watt's partner Nicola Roberts and James Watt's girlfriend Natasha Oldfield, who faced the same charge. Parents Antonio Watt and Jennifer Smith-Dennis were also arrested and charged with familial homicide and perverting the course of justice. Richard and Robert Watt pleaded guilty to perverting the course of justice, 
and soon after the murder charge against Richard Watt was dropped. James Watt and his parents all pleaded not guilty to all the charges against them. It was decided that all the defendants would stand trial together. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Despite the entirety of Michael Gilbert's remains being undiscovered, the murder trial was scheduled for February 2010 at Luton Crown Court. However, just weeks before the legal proceedings were due to begin, 25-year-old Richard Watt told the police that he could lead them to the rest of the remains. Richard was taken from jail and escorted to the Blue Lagoon. He had directed specialist divers to the exact location where they had thrown the hold-all bag containing Michael's head, knees and elbows. The divers were able to recover the remains, and Richard Watt pleaded guilty to familial homicide. The trial began on February 23, 2010. 21-year-old Nicola Roberts, 29-year-old Natasha Oldfield, 27-year-old James Watt, and 20-year-old Robert Watt all face murder and familial homicide charges. The brothers' parents, 60-year-old Antonio Watt and 58-year-old Jennifer Smith-Dennis face charges of familial homicide and perverting the course of justice. 
The six defendants were then escorted into the courtroom and seated beside their barristers. They appeared relaxed, often glancing at one another and smiling. In his opening statement, Stuart Trimmer QC explained that Michael had suffered almost a decade of abuse and that his tormentors had turned his pain and humiliation into a game show. The prosecutor described how in this game show people could pay money to assault Michael. Stuart Trimmer QC explained that Michael had managed to escape from the home on several occasions, but he had been forcibly brought back. The jury were provided with a detailed account of the abuse inflicted on Michael before he died from his injuries around January 21st or 22nd, 2009. The prosecutor said, All took part in these events. Some positively enjoyed his humiliation. No one did anything to protect him. Jurors heard from witnesses who had seen some of the abuse inflicted on Michael at the Watt home. Zoe Smith was the girlfriend of Colin Watt, another brother who had moved out of the family home as the abuse of Michael escalated. He was not charged in relation to the murder. Zoe testified that when she slept in a bed with her boyfriend in the house, Michael was handcuffed on the floor underneath the bed. During her three-year relationship with Colin, Zoe admitted to visiting the Watts home around 150 times. Under cross-examination by barrister Michael Borelli QC acting on behalf of Robert Watt, Zoe said Michael was assaulted nearly every time she visited the property. Zoe Smith explained that she was too afraid to go to the police about what was going on. Michael Gilbert's sister Patricia spoke about the abusive environment she had witnessed and experienced when she lived there for a year in 2001. Patricia testified, It started out all right, but after a while it got violent. I was hit with a can of hairspray, and Michael was there and said it was uncalled for. Michael was then told to sit down and shut up before James Watt punched him in the face. According to Patricia, her brother bore the brunt of the abuse, but she didn't think to report what was happening to the police because she feared it would make things worse. Colin Watt testified about the videos of Michael being punched. In one of them, Colin, who had not been charged, could be seen striking Michael in the face. They called it happy slapping. He said that at the time he thought it was funny, and so did the others, including Michael. Colin suggested that the assaults on Michael were play fights that included kicking, headbutting, elbowing, kneeing and punching each other in the face. Although the witness seemed to dismiss what was clearly abuse, Colin Watt told the jury that he moved out of the family home some time before Michael was killed, admitting that what was going on made him feel ill and he couldn't take any more of it. 
Other family members testify too, including the Watt brothers' half-sister Amanda Chapman. Amanda told the court that she only learned Michael had been killed after her parents and brothers were arrested. Her mother Jennifer Smith Dennis told Amanda of her role in Michael's murder, admitting to her daughter that Michael had been beaten to death, cut up and then wrapped up. Nicola Roberts, Richard Watt's girlfriend, took the stand in her own defence and admitted to the jury that she had jumped on Michael's stomach shortly before he died. She testified, He was a bit breathless afterwards. Anyone would be having 21 stones standing on them. Nicola's partner Richard Watt was then called as a witness. He did not face a charge for murder. However, he had admitted perverting the course of justice. Richard maintained that his mother and father were not involved in any of the abuse inflicted on Michael and insisted that they hadn't treated Michael like a slave. Richard claimed that his mother had been powerless to prevent anything that his brother James was doing to Michael because she was afraid of him. He alleged that his mother was shocked and horrified when Jennifer found Michael dead, and that neither of his parents had any involvement in the dismembering or disposal of the body. Richard did admit that his mother had cleaned up the scene, but said it was because she always cleaned up, not because she was attempting to conceal a crime. Richard Watt testified that his father Antonio remained utterly oblivious to Michael's death until the discovery of the body and their subsequent arrests. According to Richard's account, his older brother James was the ringleader. Richard characterised him as a control freak and a violent bully. When questioned about the atmosphere in the Watt household in James's absence, Richard replied, It was happy. Everybody got on. Richard told the jury that he knew that Michael Gilbert was seriously ill after James, Natasha and Nicola jumped on his stomach. He said that Michael's stomach swelled so much that Michael looked pregnant and was unable to control his bowels. Richard admitted that he had thought about getting help but said that he was afraid of James, and his mother had warned him to think of the outcome. After six weeks of evidence, on April 1st, 2010, Judge John Bevan QC ordered the jury to clear 20-year-old Robert Watt of murder or manslaughter, but the familial homicide charge would remain. He also ordered the jury to acquit Antonio Watt because he was often out of the house working and it was concluded that there was no evidence that he was in the home when Michael died. James Watt had already pleaded guilty to familial homicide and perverting the course of justice before the jury returned with their verdicts after five hours of deliberations. 
Five members of a family have been found guilty over the death of a man whose decapitated body was found in a lake. Michael Gilbert was kept as a slave and tortured for his benefit money before being killed. His headless body was dumped in the Blue Lagoon in Bedfordshire last year. James Watt, his girlfriend Natasha Oldfield and his brother's girlfriend Nicola Roberts were convicted of Mr Gilbert's murder. James's brother Robert Watt and his mother Jennifer Smith-Dennis were found guilty of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult following the trial at Luton Crown Court. Her third brother, Richard Watt, had previously admitted familial homicide. After the verdicts were announced, Judge John Bevan QC told the jurors that they had sat through ghastly evidence and excused them for being called for jury service again. Outside of court, Michael Gilbert's mother, Rosalie, focused her anger on Jennifer Smith, Dennis. She stated, What sort of woman would allow the things we heard about to go on in her home and for all those years? You raise your kids to be the best they can be, not cold-blooded murderers. That mother could have done something to help Michael and never did. Rosalie then said of her son, If Michael could have fought back just once and defended himself years ago when it started, the violence would have ended. It was like he was always an adolescent even when he was a grown man. Michael's brother Christopher also spoke about what happened. We're pleased with the result today. It's been a traumatic time for our family and nothing will bring Michael back, but let's hope this will stop other people from violent behaviour mainly. Christopher commented that the family had tried to help Michael and said that he had returned home for brief periods on the occasions he managed to escape. Each time, however, Michael was forced back to the Watt family home. Michael's other brother Aaron suggested that Michael had kept quiet about the abuse because he knew the Watts would eventually catch up with him and it would mean more trouble claiming that his family were unaware of how far the torture and torment had gone. Christopher added, We never knew the true extent of what was happening, because Michael never told us. The motive behind the abuse remained a mystery. Detective Chief Inspector John Humphreys believed it to be an unusual case, that lacked the typical motives of robbery, revenge, greed or jealousy, saying, What struck me throughout this investigation was the level of inhumanity displayed by members of the Watt household. It was speculated that perhaps the family sought a semblance of power and control that had eluded them in other aspects of their lives. Jennifer Smith, Dennis's son from a previous relationship, shed some light on the family dynamics when he said the family home had been rife with abuse even before his half-brothers were born. Lee recounted how he and his siblings endured mistreatment at the hands of a man named George, who had entered their lives following Jennifer's separation from Lee's father, John Smith, Dennis. According to Lee, his mother was present when the abuse occurred. George died when Lee was nine years old, 
and his mother then began a relationship with Antonio Watt. He fathered James Richard Roberts and Colin. Lee said that when James Watt got older, James became domineering and controlled the entire family. When Lee was 19, he finally left and never looked back. He was horrified to see his family on the news, arrested for the brutal murder of Michael Gilbert. I hate Mum, Lee said. James, Robert and Richard are my half-brothers and are nothing to me now. If I saw them again, I wouldn't speak to them. It would be like having a conversation with Hitler. They are worse than that. Following the revelations during the trial, there were calls for inquiries into how and why there had been such catastrophic failures to protect Michael Gilbert. Michael had interacted with the police on a number of occasions. He had even disclosed some of the abuse inflicted upon him by the Watt family. Writing about the events, Catherine Kwame with the Sunday Times said, Michael's story isn't an isolated one. Over the past three years, I've investigated many similar cases in which disabled people were targeted, robbed, tortured, and then killed by so-called friends. They too asked for help. They too were failed by a chaotic system in which warnings are not heeded and not shared across agencies such as the police, housing, and healthcare. Michael Gilbert's mother, Rosalie, lodged a formal complaint against the police, asserting that their response fell short, following the report of Michael's abduction outside a job centre in Cambridge. In response to the criticism, Detective Chief Inspector John Humphreys maintained that all possible measures within their capacity were taken to prevent Michael's death. I've thought about it long and hard, and I don't think that on that occasion there was much more we could have done. You're right, hindsight, hindsight is a perfect science, but um, I, I think that we did what was possible at that time and that nobody could really have predicted that we would end up where we are today. Both the Loot and Safeguarding of Vulnerable Adults Board and the Independent Police Complaints Commission announced they were going to set up a serious case review into Michael's death. While these reviews were ongoing, those people convicted in relation to Michael Gilbert's murder were brought back to court to be sentenced on April 27th. Andrew Jeffries, QC, the barrister for the alleged ringleader James Watt, told Judge John Bevan, QC, that he couldn't explain why his client had meted out such violence to Michael, saying, I wish I could put something before you to explain it but I simply cannot. The odd nature of their relationship was one that started through friendship. In mitigation, the defence barrister implored the judge to sentence for murder on the basis that the intention was to cause serious harm instead of death. Robert Watts' counsel, Michael Borelli QC, described his client as a vulnerable adult, telling the judge... He was set an appalling example, and his perception of what was right and wrong must surely have been distorted. 
Judge John Bevan QC then addressed the defendants. He described the case as grotesque and said that Michael Gilbert had died a cruel, lonely and violent death. The judge then addressed James Robert and Richard Watt, Natasha Oldfield, Nicola Roberts and Jennifer Smith Dennis. In all my years, both on the bench and at the bar, I have only ever dealt with a handful of cases where the behaviour can properly be described as depraved, and you can be rightly added to this list. How in a civilised society this behaviour was allowed to continue is a mystery. Judge Bevan then touched on the family's reluctance to work, telling them, Who paid for all this? Not one of the four healthy sons did a stroke. Their money came from hard-pressed taxpayers who received a nil return for their money except petty crime and bad neighbourliness. The judge felt that the entire household lacked a moral compass. He lambasted Jennifer for her total abdication of parental responsibility. Judge Bevan sentenced James Watt, Natasha Oldfield and Nicola Roberts to life in prison. As he addressed James, he said, To use language you will understand. You had your fun. Now you must pay. James Watt snarled and pointed towards his co-defendants before shouting, Cheers. I blame them. James Watt was ordered to serve a minimum of 36 years. Natasha Oldfield was ordered to serve a minimum of 18 years. And Nicola Roberts was ordered to serve a minimum of 15. After being found guilty of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult, Robert Watt was sentenced to eight years in prison, while his brother Richard, who admitted a charge of familial homicide, was sentenced to six. Their mother, Jennifer Smith Dennis, who was also found guilty of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult, was handed a 10-year sentence. Once the sentences were imposed, Michael's sister Patricia spoke with the media outside the courtroom. She said, Michael has been tortured long enough. Now he can finally be left in peace. So where are we now? In 2011, Richard Watt argued his case before the Court of Appeal. His counsel highlighted that his client had pleaded guilty and assisted the police. In the ruling, Lord Justice Richard said, His assistance meant the remaining body parts were found. He also gave evidence against members of his immediate family and his girlfriend in extremely difficult circumstances. Richard Watt's sentence was reduced by four years. Richard's brother James also appealed his sentence, but his argument was rejected, with the judge stating that James Watt had indulged in depraved, exceptionally brutal and sadistic conduct. 
on July 7th. The same year Richard Watt successfully argued his sentence before the Court of Appeal. The Independent Police Complaints Commission released their findings on the investigation of Michael Gilbert's abduction. The report highlighted that when officers from the Lancashire Police spoke with Michael's girlfriend's family in 2008, an incorrect phone number for him was taken down. When the police attempted to call the number, a different man picked up the phone and the police just assumed that Michael was avoiding contact and had left of his own accord. The IPCC said that the conclusion that Michael was avoiding contact was a reasonably held belief because of the information that was available to them. They also said it wasn't possible to say whether the phone number was either provided incorrectly or whether the officer had written it down wrong. Once the IPCC findings were released, the Lancashire police spokesperson said that they had followed the correct guidelines and stressed that the IPCC didn't find that the investigation was carried out improperly. The IPCC also looked into the 2002 assault investigation conducted by the Bedfordshire Police after Michael was assaulted by the Watt family and it was reported for the first time. They found that the investigation by Bedfordshire Police was hampered after they were given incorrect information from other public services. They had closed the case after social services said that Michael had a history of fabricating events. Frustratingly, the Michael Gilbert that social services were referring to was someone else, of a different age, different ethnicity and from a different area. The 2007 Cambridgeshire abduction was also examined by the IPCC and it was found to be hindered by a Bedfordshire police officer not passing on information. Michael had told the Bedfordshire police that he had been abducted and wanted help getting away from the Watt family. Despite this, Bedfordshire Constabulary didn't pass this information on to the Cambridgeshire police who were investigating the abduction claim. The IPCC concluded that on each occasion that investigations had taken place, they were flawed due to misinformation, failures in communication and human error. A serious case review by the Luton Safeguarding Vulnerable Adults Board released their findings shortly thereafter. They found Michael had been let down long before his interactions with the Watt family. The review concluded that Michael's early life was a mix of violence, neglect and probable sexual abuse. It described his home life as unsafe and fluctuating, which periodically included men associated with child abuse, pornography and violence. The review read in part, Michael Gilbert's pitiless early life was not ameliorated by professional intervention, and his admission into care offered nothing substantive in terms or planning of benevolent possibilities. This was a time during which he discovered that he was neither deeply special nor important enough for adults to show him that there was a better place to be. He was functionally alone, and there was no sustained interest in his welfare when he ceased to be the responsibility of children's services. 
It was noted how Michael had contact with a number of professionals in different fields as a result of his troubled upbringing. But each of these professionals had an incomplete picture of the trouble he was facing. The authors of the report suggested that Michael had an undiagnosed mental health condition and that he was failed by Luton Social Services and other agencies when he left care at 16. The review concluded that the array of risks Michael was exposed to as a care leaver, a young adult and an offender were known to more than one agency, and his ordeal may have come to light and prevented his eventual murder if there had been a multi-agency system in place at the time that monitored adults at risk. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our patrons for their support. To hear ad-free versions of our episodes published several days before their general release, subscribe to They Walk Among Us Plus. Head to patreon.com forward slash They Walk Among Us or search for They Walk Among Us on Apple Podcasts to learn more. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.